Today with Catherine Ruinala. Who can quote Hosea 6 6? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And we've, it's requoted again in the New Testament for the Lord desires mercy, not sacrifice. But Tom bought me a new Bible, and I, I have to use it because it's got my name on it, which I think is really pretty. Um, but it's a new American standard. And Hosea 6 6 in the New American Standard is different to the NKJV, which I normally use. And it translates it there, for I desire loyalty, not sacrifice. And I was quite confused. I thought, how does loyalty and sacrifice get translated? They seem very different words. The same word translated two different ways, loyalty and mercy. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and I desire loyalty, not sacrifice. So I had a look in the Hebrew, and the Hebrew word there actually means kindness toward God. I desire kindness toward God. And when you look at it, it's actually the hinge point of the whole narrative of Scripture, which is God's desire not for what we do, but for our hearts, that we would have kindness toward him by giving him our hearts, by loving him back. The whole reason we were created was for companionship with God, that we would be in a relationship, a family relationship with him where we love him and he loves us. And his desire isn't for your religious obligation, but it's for your loyalty, your heart, your kindness toward God that you would bless him and talk to him, that you would give him your heart. Hallelujah. And so thinking about that, that's more exciting than you're reacting, by the way. Like, I, you can hear it's a yearning of God. I desire mercy toward me, kindness toward me rather than your sacrifice. We have the capacity to have kindness toward God by simply loving him. So when we worship, when we spend time worshiping God, it's not just a rah, Pentecostal rah-rah where we clap and we dance. It's actually our opportunity to have mercy toward God, mercy, kindness toward the aching heart of the Father that is just looking for the fulfillment of the whole reason he created humans that we could bless him, that we could love him. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 55, uh, we had a little look at the other night. There's a verse here, verse 3, that says, Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Uh, New King James, which I've learned most of my scripture in is the sure mercies of David. You know, if you look at Scripture, God goes on and on and on about David. Like, everything about David. You'll come in the, 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 the house of David, the Messiah. They'll, they'll call him the son of David. We've got the tabernacle of David. We've got Isaiah 20, 22, the key of David. We've got um, the mercies, the sure mercies of David. And, and God just goes on and on, David this and David that. What is it about David? If you look at the 
life of David, David was the second king of Israel. So not even the first king. And David, you know, you can look at the life of David. It's a magnificent study. David wrote much of this, the book of Psalms. But David didn't live a perfect life. If you're going to, like, set somebody up as the be like David, probably wouldn't have picked David if I was God. Like David, he loved God. It was beautiful, but he made some big messes. You know, after he was um, made king, he had an affair with a married woman, got her pregnant, and then thought, well, I'll try and fix this by maybe get her husband to come home from war. And this beautiful husband, Uriah, he's like, I can't go in and be comforted and stay with my wife tonight while my mates are out there on the battlefield. I'm just going to sleep at the door. And David's like, no, stay another night. And no, I couldn't go there, you know, not while my mates are out there risking their lives for the country. (laughs) Ah. So David organises for Uriah to be sent back, put on the, gives him a note to give to the commander. Uriah in his integrity doesn't even read it tells him, put Uriah on the front line and when the heat of the battle's on, withdraw everybody else except Uriah so he dies. I mean, wicked bad. That's pretty awful. Pretty sure there's not too many of you here that have actually done something quite as bad as that. That was a nervous giggle. (laughs) Pretty sure. I mean, Saul, the first king, he got taken out by God because he did a sacrifice too early. He wasn't supposed to do a sacrifice, remember this? And the Lord withdrew the kingship from him, took the anointing off him and ended his reign. David did all this and God says, my, my son, my Messiah is going to be called of the son of David. And I, what is this? But as you look at the life of David, you can see that when Nathan the prophet confronted David, David's response was repentance. He was just like, oh, God, I've sinned against you. I've hurt your heart. I'm so sorry. Have mercy on me. My iniquity is great. You can read that in the Psalms. Have mercy on me. Pardon me. Forgive me. And the Lord forgives him. To the extent that the the son of Bathsheba, he marries Bathsheba and they have another son and that son is Solomon, the next king of Israel. God's mercies toward David were extraordinary. And then he talks about giving the promise of the key of David. So what is this key that David has? Does David just, does God just have favourites? I believe that the, the reason God holds up David and says, be like David, is not because of his performance, but because of his heart. When he was appointed, it was said as Samuel, I mean, he didn't even get invited to the king choosing ceremony. All his brothers were there. 
And um, his father didn't even invite him. He was the youngest son still out looking after the sheep. And Samuel thought for sure it's got to be the eldest. He's the strongest, best looking, tallest. And God said, man looks on the outer appearance, but I look on the heart. And David was chosen, brought in and anointed. And David, from when he was young, would connect with God out there in the wilderness all by himself with the sheep. He learned how to have honest conversations with God. He learned how to talk to the Lord, not as someone that he had to bring in a religious obligation to, but he gave him his heart. He began to open and share what's on his heart. Oh, Lord, this is hard, but this, I come to you and... He'd sing to him, he'd bless him, he'd talk to him, honestly talk to him. And this delighted the heart of God. I tell you, my children delight my heart. I get so much joy when my kids talk to me. I'm like, I love, we have family dinners. I love them. Love you, Bryce. Bryce is new to the family. Hallelujah. But I just, I love it. I get all excited. They're talking to me. I don't care what they talk to me about. Even if they talk to me about stuff, I don't even understand what they're talking about. I just love the sound of your voice. I love, I love having my kids with me. I just enjoy it so much. But compared to how God feels when you open your heart and you begin to talk to him, the love that a mother has for their children, it just doesn't even compare to how God feels. He says, you've ravished my heart with one glance of your eyes, Song of Solomon. Your voice to me is lovely and your face is sweet. He enjoys your company, our magnificent God. If you look at Psalm 25 or Psalm 27, they're both magnificent psalms. You could have a look at them later. But you can hear how David would talk to the Lord. I, I did a slow walk through the Psalms a couple of months ago, made myself slow down instead of just reading my favourite ones, you know, Psalm 27, Psalm 91, Psalm 23. Made myself go through it, one in the morning, one in the evening. And I began to understand a little bit more about this heart of David, this key of David. And I believe as you read the Psalms, you can see he just he puts it all out there just lays it all out there. Um, I like Psalm 5, actually, in the Passion Translation. It's beautiful. It says it like this in verse 3. At each and every sunrise, you'll hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Or if it, old school, oh, Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. I come and I lay it all out there. I just put it all out there. I tell you all the things. I do that. I'm a verbal processor. I, and God's the safest person to do your verbal, verbally processing with. It's true. But whether you're an introvert, extrovert, it's, it doesn't matter. God is looking for your heart you to talk to him, you to ask him, tell him what's on your heart, 
talk to him. You can hear David saying, I don't understand this. I don't understand why the wicked are, are prospering in their way. But he keeps talking until he feels the Holy Spirit speak to him and he finishes up with hope. But I will trust in you because you are faithful. Hallelujah. And you can hear how he has this dynamic, beautiful, honest relationship with God. And this is what the Lord wants to have for us. And just as he had mercy on David, he has mercy on you every day. David loved God. He didn't commit this mess, this sin, after, before he came to the Lord. He did it in the middle of it. But he understood to repent and he received the mercy of God. And God says, I'll give you the sure mercies of David. And, and if, if he can forgive David, he can probably forgive you. And his idea of forgiveness is not punishment and put you off in the corner there and let you stay alive, but to bless you. He actually uses that verse about Jesus. He tells them in, um, in, I think it's in the book of Acts where we read about um, the same verse, but instead of saying the sure mercies of David, he says the sure blessings of David because Jesus doesn't need mercy. But as you read it and you realize God's desire is to bless us, the, the Hebrew word for blessing, if you read it, you can look at it, is actually to kneel down and give something of value. And this is what Jesus did. He came down to our level, humbled himself as a man and gave us his life, gave us eternal life, gave us redemption and salvation. I will give you the sure mercies of David. I will give you the blessings of David. And, and that is a heritage, a life, hallelujah, and eternal life with him. He is so, so faithful. God's heart for us is to understand that as we dig into relationship with God, he wants us to become rooted and grounded in the love of God, Ephesians 3. I think about David in 1 Samuel 30, if you want to turn there. It's the story before David became king. Samuel had anointed him. He was supposed to be the golden boy, anointed Instead, he was hunted down by a crazy demon-possessed Saul who wanted to kill him by the armies of Israel that he was supposed to be anointed to lead. And they, they hunted him in the wilderness for years. And then he was in the land of the Philistines and even the Philistines didn't didn't want him anywhere near him because David was pretty good at killing Philistines. He had this ragtag bunch of guys with him. And after they came back, um, one day they came back to Ziklag where they were camped out after a huge long trek. And this, the city was set on fire. Everything was burned, all of their possessions, their wives, their children had been taken captive. David's wives were taken captive. And the people that were with David, they started talking about stoning David. This is a bad day. 
Like, that's a bad day. I think I'm having a bad day when people don't like me on Facebook. This was a bad day. Like, everybody, everybody was against him. So let's have a, have a look at the story. It's beautiful. Well, we'll, we'll um, go from verse 3. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. You can just read that and go, okay, that's interesting. No, think about that. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Have you ever cried that hard? I have. And there's no strength left to weep. Now David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I don't know what he did. It doesn't tell us what he did. But at the very lowest point of his life, he knew the one he could go to that would never let him down, that would never reject him. He knew how to drink from the river of the pleasure of his father. He knew how to receive strength. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. He knew the same secret that Stephen seemed to have. While they were hurling insults at him just before they were going to stone him, it says Stephen's face shone like that of an angel because he had a connection with God. He knew how to find strength in the midst of adversity. He knew how to receive the wine of the presence of God, the, the strength that flows from the river that flows from his throne. Hallelujah. He knew how to drink deeply from this river. Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to me and I'll give you wine. Revelation 6, 6, in the middle of all the nasty, scary, bad, persecution, scary stuff, there's this verse that says, and do not harm the oil and the wine. In other words, no matter what is going on, you have access, unhindered access, not the devil, not situations, not sickness, not circumstance, not height, not depth, not anything could separate you from the love of God, from the wine of his presence, from that which you can drink of and strengthen yourself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Can you picture this? In that situation, like he doesn't have anyone to call. There's no phone to pick up. There is nobody. Even his best mates are talking about abandoning him at best, stoning him preferably. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. This is the key of David. He knew, he knew where to find his strength because he'd been doing it since he was a child. 
I believe he'd do it by just simply getting honest. Hey, God, <laughs> it's really bad down here. Really bad. Really bad. Wife and kids, God, everybody's wife and kids, God, they want to kill me. You read the Psalms, you can imagine David wouldn't hold back. Ah, but I trust you. You, have, you gave me a promise. I believe you. I know. I don't know how you're going to work it out, but I know you will because you are faithful. I thank you. And I believe he began to strengthen himself in the Lord by looking at the one that he had known to be faithful from the days of his youth when he slew Goliath where he would feed on the faithfulness of God. You know, sometimes when you're in a hard place, it's a good thing to remember some of the things that the Lord's done in your life, to have your I remember when list. Hmm. Yeah, I remember that. I remember when. I remember when you spoke to Tim and got him out of his room just before the the tree came crashing through. Yes, you are faithful. I remember when. I remember when. I thought I was going to die and you came through and healed me. Yay. I remember when. And I believe David, he knew how to do this because he did it before he faced Goliath. He said, I I remember the lion and the bear. I remember how you came through. That was pretty awesome. Thanks, God. You'll do it again. I remember when that bear came to attack the sheep. Hmm, You gave me strength to slay him. You are faithful. I can put my trust in you. And after he'd strengthened himself in the Lord, it says here, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. And David knew what to do. After getting in that place where he made a deliberate choice, he could have either pivoted to despair or he could pivot to hope. And he made a choice to pivot to hope in God, begin to strengthen himself, to go intentionally, to drink from the wine of his presence, to encourage himself in the Lord, to remind himself of the faithfulness of God. And then in that place where the love of God, the faithfulness of God, the faith of God filled his heart, suddenly he knew what to do. God will do that for us. If you're trying to figure out, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? Well, you're all upset. Very hard to hear. Anybody else? Had this very hard to hear. I feel like, come here, let's just have a cuddle. Now, come on, let's think about our relationship. Think about my faithfulness. See, you can trust me. I'm here, I'm gonna help you. I'm your ever present help in time of need. Help, Holy Spirit, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember. I'll help you. You can be that honest. Hallelujah. That's what God's looking for. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Psalm 5 that I love, verse 7 to 8 is interesting too. It says here, David wrote this psalm, but I know that you will welcome me into your house for I am covered by your covenant of mercy and love. So I come to your sanctuary with deepest awe to bow in worship and adore you. Yahweh, lead me in the pathways of your pleasure just like you promised you would or else my enemies will conquer me. Smooth out your road in front of me, straight and level so that I will know where to walk. He knew how to talk to the Lord. He understood 
God is on my side. God is for me. Who can be against me? And because he loved him, because he set his love upon me, therefore I will honor him. I will strengthen him. I will help him. God's heart desire for all of us is that we would have a Davidic heart that would constantly turn to acknowledge God and remember, I'm not supposed to do this life by myself. That I'm not called to have a cultural Christianity. I'm not called to, you know, just do the sacrifice. But everything I do, as I come, as I wake up in the morning and bless him and honour him and just remember, thank you, God, you created the earth for us to live in. Thank you, God. Thank you. This is a day that you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy to me. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. God, you're so good. I bless you. You are king of the universe. You are God and I honour you. People say grace. And you, you can say it out of religious sacrifice, obligation, or you can use it as an opportunity to just remind him, Lord, my heart is loyal to you. I want to take this moment, turn my affection towards you and say, Lord, you are worthy. You're my provider. Thank you. Thank you.